Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. I have to say, this is, in my eight years here, this has been one of my favorite views. Just love coming, standing before you, uh, being able to open the Word of God. Uh, first things first, Sam Lero, are you in the building? I'm calling you out. I'm coming for your record. I'm going to challenge your record of most minutes cried during a sermon today. Um, he knows I make that jest in love, but honestly, this is, uh, it's an emotional day. It's an emotional day. Uh, this is the swan song, uh, for you younger folks. It's the mic drop. Um, and so I can say what I want. Uh, the only person more powerful than me is Nathan Weibel. He can shut me down. <laughs> but that's every Sunday, I guess. So, Hey, listen, we're in the middle of a, a sermon series on values, on values. Um, let's take a look at this. So here's the, the technical verbiage here. Shared convictions that help us guide our decisions and reveal our strengths as a church. Covenant, our values are really who we already are. They're who we already are. We're not announcing new things. We might be focusing on things that might be new to think about, but this is already who we are. And, and the, the value that I've been asked to preach on today is this, multiplying concentrically. And in unison, you can say, what are you talking about, okay? Multiplying concentrically. Here's the verbiage. In a world of hopelessness, we share the good news of the gospel to see people come to know Jesus as Savior across the street, across the tracks, and across the ocean. These two words are very specific. They're very intentional. And let me, let me break it down for you. We live, every single one of us live in concentric circles, we live in concentric circles. We are not only members of our family, but we're members of our neighborhood. We're members of our church community here. We're part of Palm Bay. We're part of Florida. We're part of the United States. We're part of the world. We are not just Kents or Harrises or Clems. We're, we're not simply one thing. We live in a lot of different ways and have a lot of different spheres of influence, whether we know it or not. And so what this value is calling attention to, what it's calling us to do is to say, how can we make a difference for Christ in every single one of those circles as it depends on us? And this value is saying, we, we not only think that it's a good idea, this is part of who we are as a church, is intentionally making a difference in the different layered spheres of our life. How do I know you guys are already good at this? How do I know? One big piece of evidence, me and my family. 
You have invested in us. You have discipled my children. You have loved me, my family. You've let me lead. And what's happening? You're losing us. Ah, but why? So we can go to where God has called us, Columbia, South Carolina, and make a difference that you can't make. You can't go there. Well, you could. Jerry would not be, a, well, Jerry would not like that. Stay here at Covenant. Um, but you see what I'm saying? You are going with us in the things you have given us. You're going to, you are going to make a difference in Columbia, South Carolina, even though you're not going to be there. It's a concentric circle that you live in, and you've been faithful to that call. I could have this morning gone with Acts 1, where Jesus talks about how the disciples are to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Or I could have gone Matthew 28, the Great Commission. But I went further back than that. I went to Genesis 1 this morning. Why did I do that? I want you to leave this morning convinced convinced that multiplication, we'll discover what that is in a moment, multiplication is not something simply that we ought to be doing. It's not a tag-on activity. It's not something that, uh, that when Jesus showed up at, at Christmas time and as he lived his life, he said, listen guys, there's this thing called multiplication. I want to I introduce it to you. No. I want you to be, let, leave convinced that multiplication is a part of your DNA. It's, it's, a, it's a fraction of our essential purpose as human beings. And so I've, I've chosen Genesis 1 to do that this morning, and let's dig in and see if I can do my job. One more time. Let's start with verses 26 and 27. I'm going to read it for you. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. This is our first glimpse of the, the, the Trinity. God is not talking to other people or other gods. He's speaking to himself in plurality because he's always been God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And so let them have dominion. Uh, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps. I'm not sure what other things, creeping things would do, but we have the emphasis. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The key point here is that man and woman, we were created in the image of God. This is unique. God created animals, and he created plants, and he created the earth and the ocean, but, but, but humanity stands alone as we were created in a unique way to be in the image of God. Now, there's eight different sermons that I could preach on that, that fact alone. There is equality and justice. In, in Genesis 9, just a few chapters later in the Bible, the, the reason that God gives that we should not murder one another as human beings is because if you murder someone, you murder an image of God. This is the basis for why we should treat everyone with respect and dignity, but that's not the sermon we're preaching this morning. So um, here's what I want you to understand. There's a uniqueness about the identity of being an image of God that's found here, and that is not animals, not fish, not birds, not plants, but humanity has, in this moment, God's created them, and he's given them an identity, and that identity has given them a title, and that title is God's people, God's representatives. 
our, our image bearing gives us a title and it gives us privileges and it gives us responsibilities, which we'll see in a second. But, but I want you to understand this. We are unique and we have an identity and that identity is only found when we uncover and we have to recover our image, that, that, that reflection of who God is. That's essential to us as our identity as human beings. Now, that identity, like I just said, gives us a responsibility, and we see that in verse 28. So God creates man and woman. He gives them their identity. You are my people. You're my image. And then what's the first thing he does? He gives them a command. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish and over the birds and over every living thing and every creeping thing that creeps, right? I want you to focus in on these two words, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. This is language of flourishing. Flourishing, filling up, becoming numerous. So what God is saying is, I have made you my image bearers, Adam and Eve, and I have something I want you to do. I want you to make more image bearers. Make more image bearers. Now, at this moment, for Adam and Eve, certainly this is a biological mandate, okay? All they had to do to, to accomplish God's mission was find a room, okay? All, that's all they had to do. I guess they were clearing, maybe. Um, they're in the garden. Uh, we'll, we'll just stop talking about that. Um, all they had to do was have babies. They were images of God. They had communion with God. They were his perfect representatives, and all they had to do was procreate. That was what this command is at a surface level. It is biological. In addition, another sermon that could be preached, this is where Jesus and Paul both come back to for their basis for scriptural view of marriage and sex. They don't look to culture. They don't look to other resources and try and logic it out. They go back to God's creative mandate, God's creative purpose. But I would argue that there's something deeper here than just valuing marriage and family. God is, is giving us his purpose for eternity and this command. And here's, here's God's purpose for eternity that still stands today. God's declaring that his greatest desire is for this world to be filled with his people who know him, who love him, and who serve him wisely. This is less about marriage and sex than it is about God's purpose for this world, and that is he wants his kingdom to grow, he wants it to proliferate, he wants his kingdom to be filling this world. And so, how many of you have children under 10? Well, let's do that. How many of you ever had a child? Okay, raise your hand. Is it enough to simply procreate? Are they perfect images of God? No, no, they are not. It is not enough. So this command is not simply have lots of children. If you can have 10 children, but you can't lead them to the one thing that can restore their image, which is Jesus Christ, you're not fulfilling God's commands. You're not fulfilling God's purpose. God's purpose, had, at this point, it could have been just a biological command, but since Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve chose their own way, it's gone spiritual. It's now about spiritual reproduction. 
We have to be sharing who Jesus is, that he came and we celebrated at Christmas. God becoming man. He lived a perfect life, suffering the life we should have lived. He died the death we deserved. He, he rose from the grave and he ascended. This is the message that can begin the, 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 re, the uncovering of our tarnished image that's within all humankind. Sin corrupted that image and only Jesus Christ can bring us back there. And so it's less about marriage and family and it's more about multiplying in the way that we know. And that is Matthew 28 and Acts 1. Go make disciples share who jesus is with the world and so the truth i want you to understand from verse 28 is this and this is where i'm trying to make my case for you to you we were designed to be multipliers it's not an add-on we were designed we function best when we are in god's will of being a multiplier of his kingdom It's not something we have to do. Certainly it's something we have to do. It's not only something we have to do. It's what we were designed to do. God created humankind, and the first thing he said was be fruitful and multiply. Jesus came and he created a new kingdom through his death and resurrection. What's the first thing he told his disciples? Go and make disciples. It's the same thing. It is part of who we are. Let's have some fun with some extra biblical thinking here. This is not in the Bible, but I'm going there. Imagine Adam and Eve, they're standing there. God's created them. They're excited, right? And and God says, listen, I just want you to have kids. Just have lots of kids. Fill this place up with image bearers. If you are a dad and you think about having lots of kids, there's several thoughts that go through your mind, but one of them is, how am I going to feed all these kids? And I think that Adam had that thought because what's the next thing that God points out? He says the word behold. Now, behold is a literary device, and it's the author of this passage saying, I want you to pay special attention to what happens next. Look. And so what does God say? Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And then 30 through 31, finish off the narrative. I want us to focus here on 29. God gave a mandate, be fruitful and multiply, become numerous, fill this world with my people who know me, love me, and serve me wisely. And did he leave Adam and Eve to their own devices? No. What did he do first? He graciously and mercifully provided them the resources they needed to, to fulfill his command. Does God ask us to do things yes absolutely he does does god have mandates for us absolutely there is a way he wants us to live but here's what i want you to understand this morning brothers and sisters god is gracious and god is merciful and he will always and has already provided the resources you need to do what he's asked you to do it's already there for you God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. And then he said, now here's all the food you could ever want, including seeds, which make more fruit, which feed more kids you have, right? God provides for the things he asks us to do. In this time of transition, Julie and I have been through a lot of moments and scenarios where we're having to reach beyond ourselves. 
We don't know how we're going to do it all. We don't, thinking about this new place that we'll talk more about tonight, how are we going to do this? I've never done that before. How, how are we going to be successful? How are we going to, to make a difference in Columbia, South Carolina? And, and here's a verse we've been when leaning on. Colossians 1.29. I'm going to read 28 to give you some context, but here's the, here's the passage. Him we proclaim, talking about Jesus, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. First, I'd like to point out, Paul is multiplying. He's planting churches. He's discipling. He's sharing Christ. And where does he find the resources to do this? Verse 29, for this I toil. It's difficult. Struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. Make no mistake. God does ask us to do things. God calls us to do hard things in our life. It's not easy to leave what we've known, our family, our friends. But I tell you this, he resources you. He gives you what you need to do exactly what he's asking you to do. And so whether it's parenting, whether it's trying to mortify that sin, whether it's dealing with addiction, whatever the struggle is, Listen, be encouraged. God is merciful and God is gracious. He's not left you to your own devices. He has given you what you need. This sermon's going to be a little different, so um, I'm done explaining the passage, okay? If you don't get it, it's too bad. Um, (laughs) What I want to do, honestly, for the rest of my time, again, the mic drop scenario... I want to just spend the rest of the time talking to you about applying this to a lot of different areas. And the, and the way I wrote this, it actually turned out to be concentric circles. That was an accident, but God is good. And so here's the truth. Here's what I want you to come away with about this value. I want this to stoke your heart for what's going on here at Covenant. We were designed to be multipliers of God's kingdom. Designed. It's who we are. And God has given us already exactly what we need to accomplish it. We are designed to be multipliers and we have what we need to accomplish it. So where does that start? Starts with the individual. Starts with me. Starts with you. Sam, this is where I'm coming after your record, okay? I'm just trying to breathe through. God provides the nourishment we need for every day of our life. He provides it. It's readily available. He gives us his word. Praise God. He gives us prayer. Thank you, Lord, for giving us an opportunity to stand in your presence and ask you for things. And thank you for things without worrying about our sin and our corruption. He gives us that for free. He gives us church. We can come here, hear God's word preached. We can see friendly faces that we know share our confession of who Jesus Christ is. We have a place to invite our neighbors if they don't know who God is. We have our small groups. We have youth group. We have our pastors, our elders, our deacons, our friends. This is a resource. And so my question is for myself and for you is, how many days do we walk around malnourished for the mission? 
God serves up a steaming plate of exactly what we need, and we say, no thanks, Netflix. (laughs) No thanks, I want this other thing the world offers me. No thanks, I'll just... I'll just keep saving for my retirement and that'll make me happy. Listen, we, God has given us what we need, exactly what we need. It may not always be prime rib. Now, I had to fit in a food reference because that's what I do. It may not always be the most delicious thing you ever tasted, but I'll tell you what, when a soldier's on the battlefield, an MRE is just what he needs. Sometimes it's basic, but it's always what you need. So the idea that God has provided this for us already brings relief, certainly. When you're in tough times and you don't know where to go, you know this already. Read and pray. Be with your brothers and sisters. These are easy things to do for encouragement and for nourishment in your spirit. But here's the other thing. It removes excuses. It removes excuses. I'm saying this to myself. Let's read our Bibles. Let's spend, when we don't feel like praying, you know what we ought to do? Pray. Let's try to come to church more than 50% of the time. Not because God will love you more, but because there is nourishment here. You may not understand it, may not always feel it, but God says, this is what you need. You need one another. You need to praise me with one another. Now, there, there may be some of you here who, who are not followers of Christ. You don't know who Jesus is. And here, here's what I want to convey to you this morning. God created you to be a reflector of who He is. And who is God? God is justice. God is peace. God is love. God is welcoming. He's warm. He's everything we ever could want. He's everything. He's created you personally to reflect that and to begin that act of human flourishing. There's only one way to do it, and that is to look at Jesus Christ. Look at who He is, what He's done, and accept that as truth for yourself. To say that is the only way to be saved. And in that moment, you will begin a journey of, it'll be slow at times and hard at times, but you will be on your way to flourishing as a human, to multiplication as a human. Only through Jesus Christ is that possible. Moving out a circle. Young people. Here comes Grumpy Ransom. Okay, young people, listen. I got a, I got a word for you. It's for me too. I'm going to do this because it seems more serious when I say it. It's not about you. It's not about me either. As long as you live your life for your own dreams, your own desires, your own ends, you are on a path of complete I'm going to, I do this face to to make sure you know I mean it. Complete disappointment. And unsatisfaction. Some of you are in college and you're in a major for the money. You want to make good money. 
Some of you are in high school and you're thinking, man, if I could just have that job, that career, I would have the reputation I finally want. Some of you are just looking for friends that can validate who you are. Some of you think Instagram lifestyle's real. And I'll tell you this, I'm not kidding about this. There are people in this world, some of them are, are very famous, and what they do is they sit on their couch in pajamas, and they realize midday they've done nothing for their Instagram account, so they get dressed, they go take a picture somewhere exciting, they come back home, they put their PJs back on, and they sit on their couch. And you think that their lifestyle is amazing. It's not real. There is blessing in living the normal mundane life when you're focused on the multiplication of God's kingdom. There is nothing else in this world worth your time than living for others to know God, to love God, and to serve Him wisely. You can do that as an engineer. Don't be afraid that I'm telling you you got to be a pastor. You can do that as an engineer. You can do that as a nurse. You can do that as a famous chef. I'm pointing at Eric Dotsie. You can do that in any career you want, but it, it depends on what you're living for. Are you living for your reputation, your own glory, or are you living for the kingdom? There's a major difference in those two lifestyles and what they deliver back. One follows Christ and it goes through hard times, but it ends up in a place where you love him and you enjoy him and he is your Lord. And the other one, you go through hard times and the thing you're pursuing never pays you back, never fills you up. You can't say I didn't warn you. There you go. I'm just getting started here, by the way. Crack my knuckles. Parents and grandparents. So I'm going to tell a story. Scott and I went to Gatorland, not just the two of us. Uh, we, <laughs> it was a really fun day. <laughs> we held hands and watched the Gators and stuff. It was good. Um, we went with the youth group. We did not hold hands. Um, and uh, it was last summer. And we went to the gift shop. If you've been to Legendary Parent, you've heard this story, but I'm going to share it again. We went to the gift shop, and um, uh, gift shops now have the area called what I think is called the drinking memorabilia area. Um, It's like shot glasses and beer mugs and weird shirts that say, like, wine hair, don't care. Um, And they had a, a rack of signs, and one sign drew my attention because it was this long, and it was this thin. And I thought... What? They can't even read it. So I walked over, and here's what it said. Okay, here's what it said. True love is telling someone to go to hell and then hoping they get there safely. How messed up. That's just messed up. Let's just call it what it is. That doesn't make any sense. So I'm reading the sign, I'm holding it, and I'm thinking, what? Where would you put this? Like in your den? I don't know. Um... But then, because I'm a sicko, this dawned on me. You ready? Because I'm a sick person, this is what I thought. Honestly, a lot of the ways that we parent, this could be the slogan. This could be the slogan. And the question that arose to me is, what do we emphasize as of of utmost importance to our children? What are we saying to them are the things they ought to spend their energy on and pursuing in their life by what we say, what we tell them to do, and what we allow them to do? What are we saying are the values that they ought to pursue? 
If it's grades or relationships or careers or anything other than Jesus Christ, what are we saying to them? Hey, go to hell, but I hope you get there and you're happy. Grades can't save our kids. The right decisions can't save our kids. Good behavior can't save our kids. Sports can't satisfy and save our kids. Money can't save our kids. The only thing that can save our children is Jesus Christ. And how can we as parents make that the number one thing we focus on? Johnny gets a D. How do we make that about Jesus? Johnny makes a bad decision at school. How do we make that about Jesus? Not that Jesus is coming down on him, but, but how can you pursue Jesus more closely? How can you see Jesus' love through your D or through your bad decision? I know a lot of you folks, I'm in this boat too. When we have young kids, you think, well, how? How am I supposed to do that? It's so overwhelming at times. And here's what I want to say. This is real practical. This church makes vows to you. When you have your children baptized or they become members, guess what this church does? They vow that they will help you raise your children. And they mean that. The amount of, of income budget that is contributed, ministry budget that is contributed to the family ministry department at this church means we want to put our money where our mouth is and we want to walk with you. And I'll tell you this, Scott and Lauren and Elise, all the plugged-in leaders, all the volunteer leaders on Wednesday nights, they are, want to walk with you. Don't do this alone. Come to Legendary Parent. Don't be too busy for that. Ask any one of those people that I just listed for lunch and be honest with them. I don't know what to do. And they may say, I don't either, but we're going to walk with, through this together. Amen? You have the resources already. take another step out, another circle. I want to talk to the church. Okay? I want to talk to you as Covenant Church. I want to talk to the members and the leaders. I want to have a tough conversation. I'm going to come in front. That way you know I'm serious. This is, this is one level of serious. This is the next level of serious. Look around for a second. Just look around. Paul, I'm going to put you on the spot. Did you get a count for today? How many? 408, 408, sitting here right now. Here's my question to you. What if this is it? What if not another person darkens that door and wants to become a member here? What if these empty seats that are empty stay empty? What if we don't grow? What if we don't add as a church? That's my question. What if? What if this is it? What if the people you see in these seats are all that we get? Minus Julie and me, because we're leaving. What if that's it? Here's God's message to you, Covenant Church. Behold what you need to be fruitful and multiply here and in the circles God's given you. 
The money is here. The talent is here. The courage to do the hard things is here. It's all right here. We don't have to become something else to do what God has asked us to do. You don't have to be a thousand people to be on God's mission. You can be far away for eternity, and if God has called you to do something, he's given you what you need to do it. If you want proof, me. You guys were who you were, and you prepared not only me, but you're preparing Ben and Alana. They're going to go tear wherever they go to shreds for the gospel because of your investment. You already are multiplying concentrically. You have what you need. Don't wait for something else. If God has called you to do something, do it. And and so here's what I say. Elders, be brave. Be courageous. Find the young men who are going to be planting the churches out of this place in this body right now develop them, disciple them, and courageously and vigorously launch them. Will it be sad? Yes, it will. But God has promised that He's given you what you need. Members, attenders, invest here. Give of your time and your resources. Don't wait for this church to be something else that you're waiting for. This is what covenant is, and God has called us to something. It includes multiplying concentrically. It's who you already are. It's in your DNA. So as you invest and disciple and encourage and and enjoy one another, understanding that we may not grow, but we're on a mission, and God has given us what we need. Praise God. One more circle. The community in the world. Listen, our world is messed up. It's messed up. Loneliness, injustice, hatred, division, misery at levels that we can't even understand. There, there are Little, there are homes in Palm Bay inside which the worst things you could imagine happen. And on the outside, maybe they've got a fresh coat of paint and they drive a nice car. This world is in desperate need of Jesus Christ. Palm Bay is in desperate need of Jesus Christ. And God has poised Covenant Church to not only be effective within these walls, but effective in Lockmar, to be effective in Palm Bay, to be effective in Brevard County, to be very effective in the world. You guys are already experiencing this concentric circles, and, and what I'm afraid of is if we, we suddenly worry about adding, we forget about multiplication, we're going to lose what we already have. Here's what I want to say. That's why I say this. Some of you in here, can preach the gospel in only a way that you can preach the gospel. God has given you experiences. God has given you personality. 
And, and he is designing you to do a specific work at a specific time, and, and you know it, but you're running from it. That's, that's what I want to get at this morning. You're running from it. You know God's got a call on your heart, but you're saying, Meh, not right now. MTW is our denomination's missions organization, and what they ask every church in the PCA to do is to give 1% of their best for world mission. You realize that's only four people in here. I guarantee there are four people in this room right now that are supposed to be ministers of the gospel. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. And so my question is, well, my comment first is, if you have that call in your heart and you're trying to run from it, it will haunt you forever until you give in. God wants you for something and he will have you for that something. So my question is, how are you guys going to continue to find these folks, these men and women who are called to ministry leadership, discover them, develop them, disciple them, launch them? How are you going to do that? Covenant has everything that it needs to be a concentric multiplier for a long time already. And if we value this, if we hold it true in our heart, yeah, I want to do that. God's going to do incredible things. You're going to get to watch the Kents do something unique. I'm from New England, and God's calling me to the South. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm excited to be a part of it, and you should be excited because you are already a part of it. God's going to send Ben. You should be excited to be a part of that. He's going to send several other of you too. You should be excited to be a part of that in the early, middle, and late stages of whatever that looks like. Covenant. You already have what God needs you to have to be a concentric multiplier. It's here. <clears throat> if this weren't attached to my face, I'd pull it off and I'd drop it because that's it. I love you, covenant. With all my heart. Thank you for being faithful to multiplying while I was here. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to dig into your word, <clears throat> to see how even at the beginning of time you were an organized thoughtful, loving God, and how your story has remained the same. From then, through the, the, the advent of Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and even now as we follow him through the power of the Spirit, God, you have, your story is the same. May this world be filled with your people who love you, who know you, and serve you wisely. May it begin here in this place, in our hearts. May we eat the nourishment that you've already given us. You are gracious and merciful, God. You're not tricky. You don't say, go do this thing, now let's see what they can do, how far they can get. You say, no, go do this thing, and I will give you ample provision for the journey. 
You have given Julie and myself and that my children and Grace Church in Columbia ample provision for the journey that we are about to begin. And God, you have already given Covenant Church what they need to continue the journey that they are on, to bring gospel restoration to people's deepest needs and this broken world. You've amply provided. May those who are not here consider what they miss when they don't join the brothers and sisters in the worship of our Lord here. May those who can't be here be blessed by live streaming. God, that is a technology that, that you've allowed us to think of and you use for the expansion of your kingdom. Lord, may those who are here who may not give consider that they are one of those resources that God has already given for the mission at hand. For those who are here that do not serve, may they consider the idea that they are part of the resources that God has given to be a part of the mission. And may those who already do be blessed and caught on fire for the idea that their resources are not going to waste. You have covenant church on a path to multiply. Just as you have from the beginning of the world, and God, you will not stop that mission, and you have given us, praise your name, everything they need. Bless this place as we leave. Certainly, I will miss covenant. But God, thank you for the opportunity that I don't even know about yet at grace. We love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.